What's up? And welcome back, Whisper Nation. It is week 14. We got this is the last week before the playoffs. We need to get you into the playoffs. So you came to the right place. We are going to be diving into every single matchup this week, telling you who you need to start, who you need to sit, who you should question about putting in your lineup to get you that final W to seal it, get you into the playoffs. So we're going to do that right here on today's show. But first, I want to let you know, Whisper Nation, did you know that we were giving away a signed, yes, a signed Elijah Mitchell jersey this month on our Patreon? Just go over to the patreon.com forward slash the fancy whispers. Get into that $10 entry level. You get into that. That's two coffees. You do that. You have a great chance at getting that signed Elijah Mitchell jersey at the end of this month. Great Christmas present heading into the new year. All right, Whisper Nation, let's get into that show. Right here. All right, and there we are. Johnny, great intro, man. You got me excited for that Elijah Mitchell jersey. Dude, it's pretty sick. I, I We keep mentioning these. If you're watching on the show, uh, we've had we had it up the other night. It is on the Monday night awesome, stream. Yeah, on the Monday night stream. It is. I love that awesome colorway, man. Jersey, yeah, it's the black with the red. It's the color rush one. Yeah, uh, and I, your boy, wanted to keep it, but you know, you guys didn't let me. You said no. We got to give this one. To no, we got to give it away. We got to oh, give it off yeah. to the subscribers at the ten dollar yeah. level over there on Patreon. And as Johnny said, we do this every single month. And after Elijah Mitchell, there's going to be another signed jersey giveaway. We also had Damian Harris. We've had Keenan Allen. Uh, we had Joe Mixon going this year. So there's a ton of really great primo first round draft pick type players that you get automatically entered into. And I just got to say again, man, I love that black and red San Francisco jersey. I am not Beautiful. a 49ers fan, but it is one of my favorite color rush jerseys for sure. So moving forward, though, we're subscribed to Patreon. We're excited about the Elijah Mitchell giveaway. But Johnny, it is week 14. Normally, this would be the first week of the regular playoffs for fantasy, but it's a 17 game season. Now, most teams, most leagues are going to have an extra game. And that's what we got to help people prepare for now. You maybe you're on that fringe level, hovering around 500, and, and then one of those last couple of playoff spots are there up for grabs. All right, man. You ready to jump into these matchups? Let's do it. All right. We got the first one on the slate. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers visiting the Minnesota Vikings. 43 and a half point over under, supposed to be relatively close. Um, we're going to start here over on the Pittsburgh side of the ball. And a heads up for everybody tuning into the program. You know, we're 14 weeks through this now. We're three and a half months in. We could talk to talk. And my goodness, do we enjoy it, but not at your expense. So we're not going to be sharing a bunch of things that you already know or or bits of information that you could really go anywhere to find. We want to jump into the difference-making bits of information, the things that are actually relevant, the things that you need to pay special attention to, or maybe here's a, a little bit of nugget a nugget of information that you you didn't have uh, you weren't aware of yet but you know guys like um you're going to be starting Jonathan Taylor put him in your lineup uh we don't need Jonathan to go over not this week though Jonathan Taylor on a bye this week yeah, so well, don't thank do you very it. much thank you for that thank you for that piece of clarification but point stands there you know your your studs get them in um, mm -hmm. we're just going to be going over some of these injury impacts and maybe some other bits of information to keep an eye on here as the last week of the playoffs or the last week of the season is now on the line so with that bit of information out of the way we're jumping into the Pittsburgh Steelers uh Johnny who's quarterback Big Ben man he's he's been He's had an up and down way about it this season. His arm hasn't looked great, but 
He's been doing pretty well in the last several games. Are you thinking of streaming him this week? Yeah, I understand the, you know, 43 and a half point line isn't the sexiest on a Thursday mm-hmm. thirst, you know. Uh, but if you are in a, a situation where maybe you you had Carson Wentz that you were streaming together mm-hmm. when he's on a bye, maybe you have uh, Jalen Hurts that you've had to, you know, stream together a couple of of weeks where you, you know, you need to plug and play. I do think actually as weird as it sounds, Big Ben is actually a good play to uh, on Thursday night, on Thursday night Thursday. Minnesota has been a top five matchup for quarterbacks over the last four games, Austin. Mm-hmm. And check us out, Big Ben, 20 or more fantasy points in three out of the four games. So I'm not saying he's going to have, you know, a mega ball sn- uh, night, but I do think if you need a guy that's going to plug and play, going to get you 20 to 25 fantasy points, I do think Big Ben can do it this week. You know, I have Big Ben and Deontay Johnson in the Whisper Listener League. That double dip. Yeah, and you know, and I and I, there's been a couple of weeks this season where I played Deontay in the super flex spot over Big Ben, and it, and it's kind of worked out in a full yeah. point PPR situation. Most of the time, I have them both going. I did last week. I'm glad I did. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to check then in on your temperature check for Deontay. You expecting a mega boss week out of Deontay Johnson? Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. Minnesota, they are a prime matchup, has allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers over the last four weeks. So you're definitely getting Deontay in your lineup this week. What about Claypool? See, I, I this is where I'm I'm kind of torn, right? Yeah. Matchup, and you know me, Whisper Nation knows me. I'm a huge advocate for matchups. The matchup would really indicate Claypool should be in your lineup this week. Yeah. He's had three, uh, he's had four games of eight plus targets, three of which have come against top 10 matchups. This would be a top 10 matchup. Big Ben, um, you know, I, I do think that there is some relativeness there, but would it's going to be risky. Would you end up going? Let me kick this back to you, Austin. Would yeah. you end up playing Chase Claypool? Uh, I, no, I, I wouldn't. He's a what-the-heck flex, but Big Ben's lack of arm strength is really what's getting in the way. Uh, Big Ben is ranked number 21 right now in deep passing, and with Chase Claypool's yards per catch about around 17, these two just are not going to pair well. Um, Chase has gotten over five targets just once this season and five total targets over the last two weeks. He's just not reliable. He's a dart throw. It can happen. I'm not going to count on it too. And I, I'm, I'm going to look elsewhere this week unless I'm really desperate. Uh, how about Pat Fryermuth though? He's been a, he's been a, 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 one of those back end tight end one streamers. Are you considering streaming him this week against Minnesota? It might be hard for you not to uh, throw him in there, but if you have a better option, maybe like a Zach Ertz or something, uh, we'll throw out a couple of tight ends uh, later on in the show that I think you can stream this week to have better matchup. This is a terrible matchup for Pat against Minnesota. They've only allowed Austin check that three receiving touchdowns all season. You look at Pat Fryermuth and what he generally does. Uh, if he doesn't get a touchdown, he he's down there. He's in the pit of misery with the rest of the tight, uh, the tight end. So I just don't see that happening tonight. So I'm, I'm not going to try to get him in my line. I would go somewhere else. Let's go ahead and move to the other side of the ball, the Minnesota Vikings. And Johnny, you're, you're breaking it down here, the tight end for the Steelers. Let's just stay with the tight end position here. Conklin. Um, are you, are you, do you have any consideration? You talked about more streamable tight ends. Is he one of them for, for Minnesota? He is a trap. Do not. Uh, that's great. I'm glad you asked this question, Austin. He is a trap to me. Do not play him. Let somebody else risk that dynamite that is on your waiver wire most likely because Conklin, although he's he's kind of popped off for some some weeks, and especially when you know they've had injuries to their wide receivers, you've seen him kind of step up and be that kind of second slash third option. 
But the Steelers, although they give a lot up to the wide receiver and the running back, they do not give up a lot, even despite their struggles to the tight end. They've only allowed 7.3 fantasy points to tight ends over the last four weeks, which is the third fewest Austin. So don't fall for that dynamite trap. Stay away, Whisper Nation. We're going to get to the meat and potatoes of the Minnesota offense here in just a second. But you talk about streamable options for the Vikings. Kirk Cousins has been a notable streaming option. I mean, basically his entire career. Is he streamable this week, Johnny? So on paper, this looks like an absolute smash for Kirk Cousins that you should be playing. You should stream him this week Mm -hmm. against the Steelers. Top 10 matchup, Austin, over the last month for quarterback. But let me remind you, and and this has to, if you've been Whisper Nation with us for a minute now, hot minute, kudos to Summy. A shout out to our boy Summy last year who really brought this up. I didn't really believe in it, but it it was, tonight is a, a primetime game, Austin, uh, with Captain Kirk. Primetime Kirk. Kirk. He struggles yeah. in primetime. So I, it might be a little cute here. But I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say you you bench Kirk Cousins. I'm not gonna go with Kirk Cousins this week. Because I think that's a really yeah. I mean it's it's a it's a thing, right? Like these aren't just algorithms. These aren't just mm-hmm. spreadsheets. These are human beings, and there might be a factor. We've 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 seen enough examples out of Kirk Cousins to see that prime time is something you aren't excited about. It's not a yep. nail in the coffin necessarily. You called it a cute move benching him because of it, but. You know, I'm interested to see after the end of Thursday night's game if that Kirk Cousin primetime narrative continues or or maybe it starts to curve in a I, different direction. I want to ask you, Austin, because, mm-hmm. you know, we both think Kirk Cousins could struggle tonight. Sure. Justin Jefferson has been an absolute monster. He's right. in a smash mo- a get him in smash spot. You're definitely going to get him. You're not going to get cute and sit Justin Jefferson. But what would you do? What do you think about these ancillary pieces, right? Uh, right. You know, uh, KJ Osborne, a guy that was definitely picked up on a lot of waivers. And then yeah. you've also got Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison with both these, you know, Alexander Madison, or, or excuse me, Dalvin Cook expected to play in this game. That's the latest that we've heard. Um, so where, where, what are you thinking about these other guys? You know, I think that those are the question marks you bring up there. Dalvin Cook, if he's in, you're probably playing him. I think the bigger question is if you have Madison as a handcuff for Cook, are you playing and cook is in, are you playing cook or are you playing Madison? I'm playing. If you're asking me, I'm playing cook. Yeah. I'm playing cook too. If he's in, Um, but keep monitoring that situation. See if we get any mentions of a snap count. See if we get any, uh, any, any updates to that in the Sunday live lineup show. You can catch an hour and a half before kickoff. That's eight 30 AM Pacific time, 1130 AM Eastern Johnny and Travis are going to be going over all of your live lineup questions. We'll have more information We'll also have our lineup show on Friday where we'll be going over this too because we're just going to need to see more information as it comes in. But I stand with you there. John, you asked me about the other ancillary pieces. KJ Osborne, I think, does get a little bit of a borderline sneaky flex start. It's it's above a less than desperate for me with Adam Thielen being out. Um, and on Wednesday, Thielen was officially ruled out. Yeah. Last week with that early exit for Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne saw 92% of the snaps. Mostly he's seen all season, so he does look to be a direct beneficiary from that. And he got seven targets, four catches, both above his season average. I mean, he's elevated in this position. I think he's a bit of a sneaky play this week for, for KJ Osborne. Um, any yeah. disagreement with that? Uh, no, I, I I would agree with that. I did, before we move on to the next matchup, I do want to just touch... Because we, we are on that, uh, as a show, we like to get names right. We've been pronouncing... 
Harris, uh, his first name wrong. This whole and so have analysts. Mm. He came out. His actually the way you actually say it, Najee. It's it's Najee Harris. It's not Najee, Najee Harris. Najee Harris. Yeah. Najee Harris. I love that. Okay. Yeah. And yes, names are super important. Appreciate Definitely. that specificity, as I imagine his and mother would. And it does bother him. As he said, it does bother him when people say his name wrong. So and of course it does. Yeah, of course it, it does. Everybody. And I'm going to put this on the record right now so that if somebody takes it before we get around to making it happen, uh, we have this record of it. I would just love for the Fantasy Whispers to have a large video audio database of NFL players just saying their own name. Because yeah. I've tried to go and find examples of players saying their own name. Sometimes you can find it. Most of the time you can't. People say, oh, on the NBC or the ESPN broadcast, they have them say their own name. Yeah, only the starters. I'm talking right. about, I want to know yeah. every single player. And I just want to have a little clip of Najee Harris saying Najee Harris, and that's it. And I want to have every single player in the NFL do that. So then we can just know exactly what their names are and we can do their mothers an honor by getting it right. Uh, they want it to be that way. I think we can, we can go that far. Yeah. Speaking of going far, we're going to go a little bit further now and moving on to our next game on the matchup. we got the Las Vegas Raiders. who are going to be visiting the Kansas city chiefs. Pretty uh, decently high over under here at 48. Kansas City has been rocking and rolling. But we're going to start on the Las Vegas side of the ball where star tight end Darren Waller. What do you think, man? He wasn't practicing as of yesterday. Is he going to play this week? I don't think he plays this week from what I'm sensing and getting. If he does end up playing, obviously I'm playing him. Kansas City, not not necessarily a scary matchup, not a great matchup. But again, it's Darren Waller. He's a top top three tight end play when he is healthy. So you're definitely going to get him in your lineup if he ends up going. But I think they'll do another week where they'll have the backup in there. I think you're right. And we got a question last week about starting Foster Moreau in a spot yeah. start if Waller's out. I said, I don't recommend it. It's not just like a one-one replacement like a bell cow back is. Now, while he did come in and see 85% of the snaps, that's pretty good for him. Uh, had three targets, only one catch for 34 yards. So don't yeah, don't go ahead and start fishing for tight ends in that spot. Uh, but we did expect to see Hunter Renfro become more of a beneficiary, Johnny. Um, are you still keeping him in there like as a higher end wide receiver three? Any shift on Renfro? Yeah, no shift on Ray. He's a steady Eddie. He gets a lot yeah. of targets. He catches a lot of targets. So especially if you're in a PPR, I think he remains to be safe. Uh, he did put up over uh, 11 fantasy points a couple of weeks ago when when they played. Again, mm -hmm. he did score a touchdown in that game. I don't know if he does that again in this game, but I do think he's continues to be a wide receiver three flex play for you that does have upside and he's really safe. He's one of those guys where if you have a, a guy that you're, you know, kind of going for more of a home run, a home run hit on, I think getting him in your lineup is really great for that because it kind of counterbalances it either way uh, for your home run hit. If you whiff, you still got some reliable points with Renfro. If you do hit on your uh, home run hit, you also got Renfro get you nice. another solid upside. So I think it's a smart way to play the probability. So if you like Renfro, yeah. do you like Carr at all in this matchup as a streaming option? So Carr has been a little weird for me lately, right? Since he has only had, uh, since the bye, excuse me, he's only had two games of scoring over 20 fantasy points. So that's not good. They had their bye a little bit of go. And, and then you, you look at what Carr did do against this Kansas City defense back in week four. He did put up 22 fantasy points. However, mm -hmm. in the last month, Kansas City, no bottom five matchup for quarterbacks over the last, uh, over the last month. So uh, they've been playing better defenses or better defense for Kansas City. 
but they've not really faced any scary, scary quarterbacks yeah. that could put up a lot of points. So I don't mind going with Carr as a a flex quarterback. We do know that he he should get you around twenty fantasy points, which I think is is going to be pretty solid this week. I, I agree do, with that. Yeah, go I, ahead. I, I got to ask you though because. You know, Carr, he's going to give you a pretty solid. I don't know if you can get like a max game out of him, but I don't know if he's going to necessarily like, you know, shit the bed. But sure. Jacobs, I got to ask you, yeah. Jacobs could pretend. Is he going to be a league winner now I that think Kenyon he, Drake is out? I think if that keeps going, I, I think there are some indicators to say that, yes, he will be. We already knew that he was going to handle the majority of the ground game. But last week we did see Josh Jacobs receive most of the targets. Uh, for the team and the most he's had in his NFL career, nine targets. He caught them all. Uh, that is what is really exciting for me right now about, about Josh Jacobs and why he could be a, a league winner if his health can stay in line. We were saying just a couple of years ago that if Jacobs got passing work, he'd be a top fold RB1. That was the year he was going like the back end of the first mm -hmm. round. Um, since then, we've seen a coaching change and a lot of ups and downs for Jacobs. Uh, but right now he looks like healthy enough. Um, mm -hmm. relied upon there by the offense and I'd say ready to carry your team into the fantasy playoffs and, and possibly deep fun storyline to watch. I, to see I, that happens. I just think it's so interesting how like we were asking for that for so long uh, mm -hmm. and, and saying, Hey, if he can get, you know, that receiving down work, look out. Right. And now that he's gotten it, really nobody's talking about it at all. And I, I you know, in the industry or anything. And I, I, I agree with you, man. I think Josh. Jacobs I think if he finishes, it. if he finishes well, and this this rest of the season here, I'm, I'm interested to see the way we talk about Josh Jacobs in redraft league. Yeah. Coming into next year, yeah. um, one of the teams that we've been talking pretty consistently about in redraft leagues is the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, we're not going to spend a ton of time on the studs. Get Mahomes, get Tyreek Hill, get Travis Kelsey. I don't care if they had dud lineups. All of these guys are are capable of just blowing the roof off of this, blowing the roof off. But we got a question here at the running back position. We got CEH. We got Daryl Williams. Um, you're, you're probably starting CEH on this. Is there room to start on both? How are you shaking this running back room in Kansas City, Johnny? So last week you were able to kind of start both CH and Daryl. Daryl ended up getting enough receiving yards to actually put up a solid day. However, if you look at it, he only had eight total touches, which was the same amount that he had the previous week with CH there. So it, it tells me that's where he's locked in. They the coaching staff really likes him around that eight to ten touches use. And then CH is just getting all the rest of it. This is a team that rushes on average about 24 times a game, Austin. So CH is definitely someone that I'm 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 getting in my lineup. I have confidence. Mm -hmm. Vegas over the last four games has surrendered 30.2 fantasy points to opposing running backs, which ranks top six during that span. So I do think that as this offense does continue to kind of shift over to whatever the defense is going to give them, they're going to take. So I do think CH is definitely in your lineup. He's the guy that gets, you know, that number one that we were questioning. But Daryl, I don't know necessarily that I would put him in my lineup this week, Austin. Uh, zero red zone carries in back-to-back -back games since CH has been back. So he really has no upside despite the matchup being a good matchup. So if you need to have, you know, you're really desperate running back, I do think that you could throw him in your lineup. He's going to get some points, but is there any upside to him? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. No. Let's go ahead and move on and try to find some upside in another matchup. I don't know if we're going to find it much no, in this one. In this though, one. Johnny. No. We got the New no. Orleans Saints visiting the New York Jets and what is Ooh. a 43 point over under yummy. 
We got Taysom Hill, who's been rumor or hints are that he's going to continue to get a start. And we had those four interceptions, but he did have over 100 yards rushing. Decent fantasy day. Um, if Sean Payton hints that Taysom Hill is going to get the start, are you going to hint to Whisper Nation that they should start Taysom Hill as well? I would. I would start him just for the fact that, listen, I understand it's not good that he has like the same injury that Russell Wilson had on his throwing finger. But the thing is that makes him so dare. He doesn't throw the ball as much. He, he Most of his fantasy production comes from his legs. And so against the Jets, we know you can run all day on them uh, as far as with running backs. I, and I'll also second that with Jets have been the ninth best matchup for quarterbacks over the last month. There is something that is in the you know weeds a little bit that has some concern, and that's just that the Jets have allowed the third fewest uh, fantasy points to rushing quarterbacks over that time. However, they've not really faced a rushing quarterback to the caliber of Taysom Hill. So we've always seen that Taysom Hill, whenever he starts, he is a top 12 quarterback for fantasy because he's a Konami code. So, yeah, I would be okay throwing him out there. But if I'm barely okay throwing out Taysom Hill against the Jets, my bigger question is, would you be willing to throw out any of these pass catchers? Uh, you know, we've seen Traquan Smith kind of heat up and have that kind of rapport, I guess you could say, with Taysom, and it is the Jets. Are you playing them? Look, if you're in a really, really desperate spot, I'd go elsewhere. No, but if you had to, if you had to pick, I like that. That was great. If you had to pick a wide receiver from the Saints group, maybe you're doing a fan duel lineup uh, like we do on the streams, which is super fun. Make sure you tune in and join. Um, mm -hmm. If, if you did have, to, if you're going with one, I'm going to go with Traquan Smith here. Um, after the Deontay Harris suspension was upheld and put into effect, Traquan Smith seven or more targets last month of football. It hasn't done a ton with it, but if anybody is going to be getting the opportunity to do something with it, that's who I'd be looking at. But again, it's it's not a recommended start. Um, and worth noting here that Mark Ingram he did come down with COVID, right, Johnny? So yeah, and eight and and Alvin Kamara is practicing. Keep an eye yeah. on that. So definitely Alvin Kamara, that is big news that we do need to mention. Kamara is actually, uh, he's locked two full practices. So nice. good news going back against the Jets. Uh, you would definitely play him in this matchup, especially, I mean, you could probably see them rely a little bit more on, on Alvin Kamara too in this game. So uh, yeah, if he's playing, I'm playing him, even though it's been a few weeks since he's played. All right, moving over to the other side of the ball, the New York Jets. Uh, they've got football players on the team. Technically, they do for sure. Uh, besmirching aside here, you know, I just talked about the running backs for New Orleans. I'll stick with the running backs here in New York. Tevin Coleman is in concussion protocol right now. And uh, what does this mean then? Because we got Michael Carter still out. Worth noting that Tevin Coleman has been low-key bossing the last two weeks with over yeah. 14 carries and 60 yards um, just on the ground average last two weeks. But again, if he's going to be out, Ty Johnson is going to emerge into sneaky flex consideration for me. He has not been amazing this season, but he's been he's been pretty good both on the ground and through the air. And if there's no competition behind him, uh, he could get the type of volume that he would need to actually have some type of fantasy impact. The problem is the matchup, though. New Orleans wants to win and their rush defense ranks number two. This is not going to be an easy day for Ty regardless of the opportunity. But if you're in a tricky, tough, desperate position, Ty Johnson might be a bit of a sneaky play for you. Johnny, Elijah Moore has been a pretty sneaky play this season. You've been on him and he's been doing really well. Um, is he a must start for you? Yeah, he's he last week barring that health. checked off the back. Uh, yeah, it, it, barring health and that he doesn't he did. He was a little banged up in uh, in practice this week, but I do think he ends up going. I don't think it's like that severe. 
You look at the matchup, Saints have allowed over 30 fantasy points to wide receivers over the last month. Elijah Moore getting the grip of the fantasy points for his team. 12 targets against one of the best corners in the league last last week and Darius Slay. So that's what really solidified me. I was staying away from him last week if I could um, because of the matchup, but he still produced with 77 yards and a touchdown. But check this out, Austin. Not only did he have that, which was a, a pretty good solid fantasy day, 214 air yards uh, total nice. that he had in that game. So again, only 77 or what he actually came down with. But you like the fact that he is getting a lot of targets. He's getting a lot of air yards and he's talented enough to come down with a few of them that will make enough to, to give you your, you know, give him a pretty safe floor, in my opinion. So I do like Elijah Moore moving forward to continue to be in your lineup, no matter the, what the matchup is. Yeah, and I hope that Elijah Moore doesn't get a ton of attention at the end of the season and into the offseason because I think next year in redrafts, like he could be a he really, really guy. nice sneaky pick. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of distractions around him. You're gonna say it's the Jets, who's the quarterback, blah, 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 blah. But Elijah Moore is a sneaky pickup. I'm excited to see his career progress. And progress is what we're gonna do moving on to the next game here. We've got the San Francisco 49ers visiting the Cincinnati Bengals here in what is a 48 and a half point over under Johnny we talked at the top of the show about the Elijah Mitchell autograph jersey that's being given away yeah. to our raffle in the $10 Patreon subscriber level and uh Elijah Mitchell is one of the running backs they've, but they've also got a lot of them over there in San Francisco um who do we trust right now and going into week 14 as of recording this right this second right now I only trust Jermichael Hasty, which sounds odd and sounds gross. You're like, Jermichael who? Uh, I haven't heard that guy's name in a while. The it, one cut super freak. Yeah, it's a one cut super freak guy. Uh, and <laughs> and here and literally the only reason I'm saying that is because Elijah Mitchell still not practicing, dealing with the concussion. We'll see if he comes back in time. We generally know that in in past cases, players who have a concussion on Sunday or suffer one on Sunday usually miss the next week. It's just a head issue. So we don't, and which is what we want, right? We don't want to rush them right. back. But at the same time, we know Elijah Mitchell has been very keen into a lot of uh, people's rosters this year. So if you have to pivot, I do, you know, Jeff Wilson, he did miss practice, is still having a little bit of flare up on that knee, but there have been some indication that he could potentially end up playing still. So if Jeff Wilson gets the start, I would play Jeff Wilson. You know, I trust that medical staff of like, they wouldn't put him in there if they if they didn't plan on using him. And, and we also know the 49ers generally tend to go with one running back, which is why if both those two guys are out, despite the difficult matchup against Cincinnati, who's been a bottom six matchup over the last month, I still think because of volume and the type of offense this is in, Jamichael Hasty would be an RB3 flex play for you with upside, right? Uh, you know, low end RB1 upside if he is the only guy there. Really quick question, because I'm going to be dealing with this in our dynasty league. In our in my flex, should I start to Michael Hasty or Russell Gage? I would depend if here's what I say. I would probably go to my most likely. I would go to Michael Hasty because I don't think Jeff Wilson ends up going, and I okay. don't think Elijah Mitchell goes either. That's a bulk load. But yeah, if, if I he's mean, dividing it probably, all, yeah, that and I, I, that's probably like what you were probably figuring anyway, but yeah, if, if Jeff Wilson is actually active and, and planning on getting, you know, snaps, then I would, I would pivot over to gauge this week. You know, you asked me here in the show notes, do we trust Ayuk? 
And I asked, you know, trust him tr depends on what are we asked? What are we trusting him on? Um, you know, I trust he'll get over 90% snap share. I trust he's going to get over six targets, half a uh, 0.5 touchdown over under 80 yards receiving over over under for me. That's where I've got him stacked. I nice. really like the young wide receivers talent. I like him in this matchup against Cincinnati without Debo Samuel. The only problem though that I see is this is not a heavy passing team and George Kittle looks like George Kittle right now. Yeah. Um, if he takes that work, um, then Ayuk is going to be on the back burner. That's a good piece on your back burner, but they would need to use it then to go to it. It's just, you just can't rely on it. He's not going to be that main vein, but he is in a good position, I think, uh, to finish the year and to get some to get some good fantasy days ahead. It's, it's just, I'm not going to rely on it too much. He's in that like wide receiver three with upside range mm -hmm. for me. Over on the other side of the ball, the Cincinnati Bengals, man, I'll stick here with the wide receivers as we just came off that. We got T. Higgins. We got Jamar Chase. We got Tyler Boyd. Uh, they're very good. They've had ups and downs. Um, Chase, we, so how do we kind of shake it? What are we looking at on this one? You know, it's been the continuing narrative of how Chase, uh, Chase, uh, excuse me, Jamar Chase started off the year elite, um, but just 52 yards in his last game, and that was the most he's had in the last five weeks. He still continues to lead the team in snap share, but again, like he's big play dependent is what it's looking like. And it's tough to, to bank on when that big play is going to happen, when two defenders are going to just slip off of his hips like a hula hoop. You know what I mean? Higgins is the guy who's shown some pop, though. Um, we, we we saw him have a great week last week there, 138 yards and a touchdown. And that came off of another great week with six catches, 114 yards and a touchdown two weeks before that. Um, I think that role maintains for T. Higgins. He's like a wide receiver, too. For me, he's kind of climbing up. I had him as a wide receiver three flex with upside. I had Boyd as a what the heck flex. He, he maintains that role. Um, and Jamar Chase is just his floor is okay, but not but not really, honestly. Yeah. Like, I mean, am I am I speaking sacrilege right now to say that Jamar Chase is best served in your flex? No, I th I think that that's a good. I mean, because he's definitely he's almost like a he's a more expensive. Uh, um, Tyler Lockett, right? Yeah, like that's it, it, where it's like you, you. I'm with you. I would rather have T. Higgins. I think T. Higgins is the more consistent, you know, steady driver in this offense. But again, Jamar Chase does have you know weak winning weeks, and right. you know you're starting to see him kind of hit a rookie wall as well. Defenses mm -hmm. are starting to key in on that a little bit, and like you said, he was able to get a couple of lucky, you know breaks call it luck or whatever you want to call it but he was able to shed some tackles and get in the end zone on some of these that potentially that's not going to happen moving forward uh yeah. so yeah i i think you're spot on here i think chase is you know someone that you do put in your flex or if you're putting him in your starting lineup you're counterbalancing uh that you know risk with again a more steady player uh at the wide receiver at your other spot to to counterbalance if you whiff on that uh i think that you know, that tyler lockett comp is really is really nice i mean just to add a little bit more color you know when you talk about him like him getting lucky i would say that yes and i just wanted to put this there on the record let's say that a, a wide receiver has a five percent chance of getting a defender to fall off i think chase might be like four times as good as the average but that means he's yeah. got a 20 percent likelihood which means four out of five times it's not going to happen right you know and it's, it's just tough 
to bank on. He's going to have amazing highlights. I think he's going to have a great career. But the Tyler Lockett, the volatility, the ups and downs, the big play dependency is at least part of his narrative right now. We'll see how that shakes out. Johnny, speaking of shaking out narratives, what are we going to do in the backfield for Cincinnati if Joe Mixon sits? Yeah, Joe Mixon had a neck stinger and he came out of the week and uh, out of the game in week 13, but he did end up coming back into the game. Okay. Uh, he missed now, he missed Wednesday practice due to quote unquote sickness, but it was not meant or one, it was not mentioned as COVID, so that's good. But it was also there was no mention of the neck uh, issue at all when, when the coach was asked about like why Joe Mixon missed. So I don't ultimately think Joe Mixon misses this week. I think, uh, you know, I think he does end up playing, but again, we'll know more as we advance through this week. Good. Decent matchup uh, for this running back tandem. 49ers are the 13th best matchup, so just outside the top 12 for running backs. So if Joe Mixon can't end up playing, then Samaj P. Ryan would be the guy that I would play. He would see the bulk of the carries. Cincinnati, uh, you know, when when Joe Mixon has been out before, that's who they kind of leaned a little bit more on. Chris Evans, we know that he's not really the guy that they would fully lean on. So Samaj P. Ryan would a guy would be a guy that I would flex in. So make sure if you have Joe Mixon, you also have Samaj, so you can make that switch if it does come out later that Joe Mixon's out. And we're out of this matchup here. Moving on to our next one on the lineup. We've got the Jacksonville Jaguars visiting the Tennessee Titans in what I'm calling the fried catfish game. Oh. Real talk, though. I've been listening to a lot of Walking in Memphis by Mark oh, Cohn. The, the, okay. Walking in Memphis. And yeah. He's, and he's like, they got catfish on the table. And so I'm just <laughs> like, yeah. Chelsea's like, wouldn't it be great to go to a place that has catfish on the table? And I'm like, maybe not Dude. for every meal, but like I could go for that right now. I'll tell so, you what's really good is deep fried really catfish. Good. Yeah. Deep fried catfish. So good. Yeah, dude, it is really good. And, and so that's maybe the deep fried catfish is, is a better meal than this matchup presents, yeah. but we'll see how it goes. Dad, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars coming into Tennessee. It's a 43 and a half point over under not a lot of fireworks going on, but there still might be some meat on this bone uh, or, or meat on meat on the catfish. If you will here, uh, Johnny Carlos Hyde has been a decent fill in for James Robinson. He outsnapped him last week, dealing with some of those ailments. James Robinson to get the start. He's trying to make it happen. Um, how are you shaking this one out? Would you start Hyde if James Robinson does ultimately sit? I would only start Hyde if James Robinson sits. I don't think if they both play, I'm probably going to try to steer elsewhere if I can. It might be difficult uh, if you're relying on James Robinson. You probably are going to have to put him in your lineup at this this point. Um, but when you when you see what Carlos Hyde comes and does, he's only kind of valuable or, or worth a flex play if he's getting all the work just because he's not that talented of a running back. And then you're looking at this matchup, and the reason why I say if you can sit both of them is because Tennessee's actually ranks bottom 10 uh, for fantasy points to running backs over their last four games. So it's not the best matchup, not a game script doesn't really seem to go uh, in their favor in this one low over under with 43 and a half. So I would really try to not have Carlos Hyde in my lineup if I could. Yeah. Uh, but again, sometimes desperate times call for desperate measures. I got to ask you though, we're already saying it's a little fluky with Hyde yeah. and, and, yeah. and Robinson. Is there anybody else in this lineup that you want anyone? 
you know, get ready for this. Get ready for this reach of a metaphor. Uh, this these wide receivers are kind of like your hippie uncle who can't get out of the 60s uh, because none of these wide receivers have gotten out of the 60s in terms of receiving yards uh, okay. in the last month and a half. Uh, Dan Arnold's 68 yards in week eight. He's really kind of a non-factor at this point. Uh, Treadwell had 62 yards last week. Nobody here has pop. Uh, I don't even know if if the, the front office wants their jobs. They're going to be doing a lot of switches and things like that coming up. Uh, uh, if you're desperate, look elsewhere. Uh, but we're going to go look on the other side of the ball with the Tennessee Titans. We've got, we got some desperate plays going on there, but maybe a little bit more we can find here. Um, starting at the running back spot. I'm liking this running back room more than I'm liking Jacksonville's. Maybe it's not by much, but dude, Jonathan Foreman and, and Hilliard, like before the bye, they, had, they both had great days. Yeah. And and I think that they continue to have good uh, fantasy production days over the next coming weeks. They have one of the easiest running back schedules moving forward. Uh, and and on this one, you know, Jags they are a little bit more stout up front. Austin, uh, when you look at metrics, they they generally give more to the the pass catchers than they do uh, up front to the running backs. But like you said. Because Tennessee runs the ball so much, they it's a big part of their game plan. I do think that Foreman and Hilliard are still usable in this matchup. Mm. Hilliard, much more usable in a PPR. I think that's where he will uh, be decent. You know, We have to also remember not to chase Hilliard's points a little bit too much sure. because he did break out in you know, like a 60-yard run. Not saying he can't do it again this week against uh, the Jags. But again, you want to go, you want to play your odds, right? Right. So that's why I would say this week, I'm definitely getting Foreman in my lineup because I expect the game script to go in their favor. I expect them to lean on him a little bit uh, like they had before the bye. I mean, he saw 19 carries, 20 total touches, but 19 carries, Austin, before the bye. I think you see that again in this matchup against the Jags. Uh, so I'm fine starting Foreman and uh, I'm okay starting Hilliard if you're in a PPR league. I got to ask, you know, because it could have a big impact on these wide receivers. I just talked about how most of the time they're funneled to the wide receivers, uh, the mm -hmm. fantasy points, that is. Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, are they coming back this week? Can you put them I in your lineup? I, it doesn't. Good I bad. haven't heard anything different on A.J. Brown. I think he's got one more week, one more of, week of, from that so. IR. Julio has been practicing this week, and if, and if that trajectory continues, his health keeps on the uptick, this might be the only time this season outside of the top of the year where he's a borderline recommended start. Uh, but keep in mind that Julio Jones has 338 total yards this entire season. Jeez. Like he hasn't, he hasn't done it. I think week two, you know, he had a good game, but that was it. And it's honestly that game that's showing me it's still alive. It could still happen with no AJ Brown and no other real competition at the wide receiver position there. They brought him on board. They might need him. Um, with AJ out, Julio would be the clear top pass catcher, even if it's just based on name alone, even if it's mm -hmm. just like, like let's get him out there. Um, and Jacksonville just isn't super intimidating defending the pass. If Julio's also out, you know, you get Nick Westbrook, Ekine, who would play some sneaky slash less than desperate flex consideration. Yeah. I'm not stoked about this. People have probably dropped Julio. You might have like opened your eyes wide when you saw him on your waiver, but it's, it's kind of where he belongs. Mm -hmm. You could, you could, you could have him in a spot start for me, but he's not a, he's not a real piece. He's, he's a, He's a less than desperate. Uh, I mean, he's. I think he's. He probably earns a little bit more of a sneaky flex consideration start for me. I like just to be down on Julio because he's been so disappointing this year. Yeah. But it's like if, it, if it's if he's the only dude, and they and he's healthy, like he's a sneaky flex for me. Yes. Yeah. 
I agree. All right. We're going to sneak on past this game and go over to an AFC North showdown of the Baltimore Ravens visiting the Cleveland Browns. Low over under here, 42 and a half points. We're going to start with Baltimore, and we're going to start with the man behind center, and that's Lamar Jackson. John, you've been up and down on Lamar Jackson throughout the year. Where do you sit on him right now? And for fantasy purposes, are you taking him out of your lineup against Cleveland? What do you think? I don't think that I could take Lamar out of my lineup. That was like, that's problem. That's one of the problems with drafting Lamar is you draft him so high. It's hard to get him out even when he's not performing. Same with Pat Mahomes, realistically. And you look at this matchup, not a great matchup at all. Uh, Cleveland over the last four games have allowed an average of just 12.8 fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. And then look at this. This is why like it's been so odd for Lamar because in some cases he's really elevating his game, right? But in certain circumstances, he's actually regressing quite often. Only four games, Austin, this season where Lamar hasn't thrown an at least one interception. He's only he's only thrown for more than one touchdown in a game twice this season. He's only finished top seven at the position four times compared to five games this season where he's finished as QB 16 or worse on the week. So. Again, these were those the major concerns we had because of the fact that this wide receiver group, we weren't sure exactly who he can lean on. He's not the most accurate quarterback. We know that he tends to sometimes rush his throws or over, you know, overthrow guys. So because of that, it's really started to transform into his performance for fantasy, Austin. And you look at his matchups coming forward, it's a little bit shaky down the stretch here in the playoffs. Lamar might be a guy where it might be a little bit hard to win a championship on your roster if you have him, uh, simply because you're not sure what you're going to get from week to week. Yeah, but he's also the type of guy that if he, you know, he all of a sudden goes on a tear for the next three weeks, you're not super surprised about it at all. So it's just like one of those: which one do you go with? Are you going with the analytics side that's showing like, hey, he's not being that good, or are you going with like? what we've seen and that high upside from Lamar and the fact that he uses his legs so much uh, and that creates somewhat of an advantage for your team. Yeah. You'd be really liking if you just could guarantee him being down by three plus scores at halftime. Right. Yeah. It's like, then let's see him do some crazy backyard type stuff and get you a 40 burger on that day as he he has a game winning drive to to close out the game. We'll see. You know, another person we've been watching has been Deontay Foreman, Johnny. Um, Mm You know, talk a lot about him over the weeks as they've had a carousel at the running back position. You know, you asked, if he, is he an auto start? And for me, he's not an auto start, but he does get serious consideration as a flex option given his hold on the workload or presumed hold on this workload. Um, and I really love the fact that he's getting 15 carries on average over the last three weeks with Murray averaging less than seven and only two last week. That's a big concern. But the other big concern is that he's not getting a lot of red zone work and that's sticking true. Um, and he hasn't broken 52 yards on the season. Um, it's not a lot and it's it's not a lot of opportunity really and it's it's not super efficient work. Um, he does get a boost with his pass catching. Five catches on eight targets last week for 45 yards, but the week before that he had one target for eight yards. You know what I mean? So it's like it's not 100% reliable and he hasn't broken 100 combined yards on the year and again with that red zone carry it's not there. His floor has risen because of the workload he's getting over Murray, um, but the ceiling stays stays down. For me on this one, but I, but I kind of like him as a, as a late season piece, as a floor play, an elevated floor play. Um, 
moving over to a more interesting set of running backs on the Cleveland Brown side of the ball, John, and we got Nick Chubb, we got Kareem Hunt. Seems like they're both back finally in this just juggernaut of an offense led by the running game. We said at the beginning of the year, now it's a little bit different, but Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are still talented. Even if this team is a bit of a mess, how do you shake out the running backs here, Johnny this week? So this is going to be my one. If you want to get cute call for this week, uh, the cue call would be if you need a win this week or you're trying to get in your playoffs, I would sit Nick Chubb if you can afford to. Obviously, don't just go and sit Nick Chubb for any, you know, Carlos Hyde or anything off the off the waiver wire. But if you have a legit better, you know, another uh, running back or two more running backs where you can possibly sit Nick Chubb, I would because. It's a terrible matchup for running backs. Uh, you know, Baltimore, one of the most stingier uh, run defenses that we have, especially when you're looking at fantasy perspective. Then you look at Nick Chubb in six career games, Austin versus Baltimore, only two top 10 finishes, four of the starts. He was RB 47 or worse in PPR. So not bowing well, you already, and then you, he played, he played against Baltimore earlier in the season and he only had about like five or six fantasy points. So doesn't, doesn't really bode well uh, for Nick Chubb to have a, a really good game. It's not setting up that way. And yeah. you say, well, then should I play Kareem Hunt then? Because should Kareem Hunt get a little bit more usage? And I would stay away from Kareem Hunt too, if I could. Only saw eight touches versus Baltimore two weeks ago, and that uh, was his you know, first game back. So maybe he gets a couple uh, more than that. But again, this defense is going to be so stout uh, or has been so stout, has been creating really ugly uh, games. And then you look at the over under 42 and a half. I would just try to stay away from these two running backs if I could. But I understand if you're, you know. You're like one of those people. I, I'm not going to bench my stud. I know that Nick right. Chubb's upside is league winning. So it's like, I, I get what you're saying there. But if I had the ability to get a little cute this week, I would sit Nick Chubb. Dude, you gave me an idea. I think I, I'm going to, we're talking about this in our next meeting here, a section maybe for next year, the too cute call of yeah. the week. Like, yeah. you know, a little thing we can have a little like, I like that. Yeah. Too cute. Uh, that's a like, good, let's one. get cute. And then yeah. we can say like, that was too cute or that wasn't cute enough, whatever it was. Um, you know what I think actually speaking of cute though, I think that Jarvis Landry, is kind of a nice call this week. Uh, before the bye, Jarvis Landry had a 93% snap share, 10 targets, 6 catches for 111 yards against Baltimore. Um, so I'm going to fire him up against that same Ravens secondary um, after another week of rest and preparation that comes in. Temper these expectations, of course, because it's the Browns. But uh, the very last time we saw Landry roll out, he kind of balled out. And I like yeah. what is what could be on the table going um, this week for Jarvis Landry. Moving forward to our next game here, we got the Atlanta Falcons going to be in Carolina for a 42 and a half point over under showdown. Man, these two teams have been kind of weird. We went from the AFC North down to the AFC South and or excuse me, the NFC South. And uh, Johnny, I want to ask you here first on the running back situation. Saw Mike Davis sighting any any shifts in outlook? Yeah, we did see a Mike Davis sighting. Is he taking back over this backfield? No, he's not. Uh, Patterson is still the start there. Uh, you did see Mike Davis get and sneak in to the end zone last week against Tampa Bay, but he didn't actually see any change in snaps or touch uh, or touches from his previous game. He just so happened to sneak in. So don't chase the points. He is a handcuff, though, that I am 
having on my roster if I do have Cordero Patterson because I do think that he would get the bulk of those carries uh, if Pat- if anything does happen to Patterson. Um, and I just want to mention just real quick on Patterson. He might be this, you know, the this season's MVP as far as waiver. I know Elijah Mitchell is definitely up there as well. And th- those two are kind of competing. But check that Patterson has only finished outside the top 24 Austin at the running back position twice this season. So uh, definitely being consistent, definitely putting up numbers. So it's really cool to see Patterson uh, doing that in that in this offense. Yeah, I hope I got, he takes me to a Whisper Listener League championship that'd be, there. That'd be fantastic. Uh, I got to ask you, though, because, you know, we are mostly sold on Patterson mm-hmm. uh, as this offense. We know that we're playing Pitts uh, because it's, it's tight end and it's Kyle Pitts. Russell Gage, though, has really emerged over these last few weeks. Are you trusting in that volume? Are you going to continue to roll him out in this matchup, which on paper kind of looks a little bit difficult against Carolina? He's a flex play for me. He's he's um, he's he's a what the heck flex. He's just kind of a standard flex for me because he's got with the Calvin Ridley, you know, absence here. He's going to be on the field all the time. And he's shown us in the past that he can do it. Like he's not a slouch, but he's not that great. And it's just going to depend on how well Matt Ryan plays for me. Um, mm-hmm. If we get a bit of a vintage Matt Ryan, I think Gage is going to be his top wideout, and this game could stay close. Gage would be sneaky. I mean, 27 targets over the last three weeks, Russell Gage, and and the and last week played really well with 130 yards, 11 catches on 12 targets. Did have that fumble. You hope to see that cleaned up. But I think he's a sneaky play. I think he comes in and based on his role in the offense, this is traditionally voluminous. It's not right now, but it is still Matt Ryan and he's shown that he can get it done. Um, it would come down like, are you starting Gage or are you starting somebody else kind yeah. of situation for me? Um, definitely earns a lot of consideration, but he's not a lock because the Falcon situation is just not a lock. Moving over to the Carolina Panthers. We've got Christian McCaffrey is down and out for the year. But Chuba Hubbard's come in. Um, I'll start off here before kicking it over to you, Johnny, for the wide receiver talk. Um, you know, in the month without Christian McCaffrey earlier this year, Chuba averaged 19 carries and four targets. I like his talent. Um, I like the presumed role on the team. Game flow shouldn't really hurt him here. Uh, if, if, you, if you've got Chuba Hubbard, I'm going to be rolling him out as a back-end RB2, RB3. Mm-hmm. No hesitations there. I uh, feel pretty good about his floor. Hope we can Hope we can flirt with that ceiling. Floor and ceiling, though, has been a topic of conversation for DJ Moore. That's the more interesting start for me. Um, you trusting him this week, Johnny? I am trusting him this week. Uh, great matchup. Atlanta allowing over 37 fantasy points to wide receivers during the last four weeks. And then you look at what DJ Moore is doing. He's saying, you know, we talked about not much you can bank on on, on Atlanta's side. Well, what you can bank on for DJ Moore is that he's going to get over 25% target share in this offense. He's seen that. Uh, with even with Cam Newton in, he hasn't had less than seven targets in any game this season. Back to back games as to, as a top twenty four wide receiver with Cam Newton under seven under center, despite Cam Newton kind of struggling at the quarterback position, he's still getting it the ball over to DJ Moore. I continue to roll DJ Moore in my lineup. All right, we're going to keep rolling the show along, moving on to the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Washington football team. 47 and a half point under Dallas coming to town. The story for the Cowboys, man, has been their wide receivers. I mean, they've got a lot of exciting fantasy pieces here. Dak, 
Pollard, Zeke, even Dalton Schultz there for a, a fan favorite there for a couple of episodes. But the receivers have seemed to be the meat and potatoes of this fantasy situation. Um, are they set to explode this week? Washington has been a little bit more stout, Austin, over the last couple of weeks to wide receivers, but they're still allowing over 30 fantasy points to wide receivers. So mm -hmm. they haven't completely started to shut down wide receivers, which is a good thing, because when we look at what we're what we're dealing with here, we got CD, we got Amari still dealing with some aftermath uh, with the COVID stuff. Then you got Michael Gallup, who came back uh, from injury a few weeks ago and honestly pretty solid he's the more solid contributors of the three wide receivers believe it or not three straight games with eight or more targets back-to-back -back games finishing top 24 has at least one red zone touch in all but one game this season so i do think that gallup deserves a you know what the heck flex a wide receiver three if you need to play him uh you know you're talking about uh you know going certain ways uh for wide receivers this week i do think that michael gallup should be considered when you're looking at asking about Mark Cooper, he did come back. He did see limited snaps. This is something I would continue to monitor. Uh, if I get news on Sunday morning, like we did last before the last game, that, hey, Amari might be limited again or he didn't get a lot of full reps in, then I might be willing to pull him out of my lineup in this matchup. But as of right now, Austin, still play him. And then, of course, you're playing CeeDee Lamb always. Yeah. He's in the lineup. He saw the most targets of all last season or of all season last week, excuse me, whopping 13 targets, man. What could potentially be in store for next year if if my uh, Mari Cooper ends up leaving uh, is quite tantalizing, but he continues to be the target leader for this team, continues to have the tr trust of Dak. You should have trust in CD. Yeah, and, you know, moving to the ground game for the Dallas Cowboys, Got two good-ish running backs. Zeke is good, yeah. but he's he's been banged up, and I think that's that's what drives the most new consideration for this you know Pollard has been good his entire career he's been good this season as well um you know we ask is he a must start flex I I you know if he's a must start flex is he is why isn't he in your running back spot you know but it's like if there was such a thing as like a must start flex for it I think that Pollard kind of falls in that category it's got that upside but he's, he's still technically the number two um mm -hmm. so it's, he's not going to be super reliable but you love that ceiling and and you you have high hopes for this performance because while Elliot is in the picture last Friday, Coach Mike McCarthy relayed that Elliot has been operating under a rep count for the last month as the team manages the knee issue he picked up back in week four. So this is stuck for months. I don't think mm -hmm. it just goes away. Um, there are real limitations, it appears, for Zeke and the eye test. It's like it's kind of like linking up together. You know what I yeah. mean? Pollard, yeah. though, is running well. The eye test has looked better for him. And the metrics for Pollard are a little bit better than they are for Zeke anyway. So, I mean, Jerry Jones loves Zeke. That's there. That's true. They're trying to get him in there. But like Pollard, if you're if you're an, if you're a blind alien just looking at this situation, you're probably going to start Pollard over Zeke right now. Yeah, I, I think you can. Uh, and two was kind of interesting. Was Zeke came out yesterday? I don't know if you saw this, Austin, but mm -hmm. he was like, "Oh, I'm I'm still like four weeks away from my health from my knee being healthy." And so it's just like, you know, are they gonna continue, especially down the stretch, because they need him in the playoffs. Like they're not gonna go anywhere if they don't. They might still not go anywhere because it's Dallas. But Tony Pollard should be more relied on 
over this next stretch of yeah man if, if if i'm the front office and i'm managing this stuff and you believe you do need zeke and he says he's four weeks away from healing it's like that would probably be if you were like in a cryogenic chamber dude you're about to right. go out there and have a bunch of men like try to kill you so and now know uh, that you're injured you have an injured knee so. oh and how did you get that knee injured playing football and what are you going to do over these four weeks when you say you that much time to heal playing football oh yeah so that doesn't seem like there's a guarantee up front um and if i'm the cowboys and i do need him for later on i would really bring him back especially with how good pollard is playing yeah moving on now to the washington football side let's look at the running backs though johnny antonio gibson the human shin i don't even know man this guy just keeps it going with that volume um continues to pop you you keeping him in your lineup hoping he's gonna pop for you there Absolutely. I know Hell it's a yeah, difficult man. matchup against Dallas, you know, fifth toughest defense against the run so far uh, over the last five weeks. Eight, only 18.3 fantasy points uh, to opposing running backs during that span. Not a whole lot like, you know, you'd like for a matchup. But Antonio Gibson, you talked about, man, he is just smashing three top eight finishes at the position over the last four weeks, Austin, they've really ramped up the volume and he's producing with it. I'm continuing to throw him in my lineup and and I, I think he has a good rest of season, I think. And, and you yeah. know, and then just touching on McKissick, McKissick did come back uh, from his concussion protocol stuff. He's practicing on a limited basis right now. We'll see if he ends up giving it a go. But either way, even if McKissick plays, because they've been using Gibson in the passing work as well, they've been giving him a little bit more yeah. even when McKissick was in there. Uh, I still think that Gibson is a start, must start this week. I got to ask you, though, Gibson's becoming a must start now. Like, And and that's not like too, too surprising. Maybe for some because of how he was doing in the middle of the season. But mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin, who was, you know, in the middle of the season, really starting to get his stuff together, has kind of regressed over the last couple of weeks. What are you yeah. seeing there with Terry McLaurin? Is this a better matchup for him? Can he get right? Uh, or is there some concerns still? You know what? There's There are concerns for Terry McLaurin as long as he has – not a top quarterback behind center. And while, and and as while Washington continues to figure out who they are, um, I, I see his struggles as a true combination of the quarterback and the offense. There's a reason why most households who are casual NFL fans still don't really know about Terry McLaurin. You know, Washington does a good job of keeping him under wraps, but here's the thing. In games that Terry McLaurin has five or more catches, he's averaging over 102 yards and has broken 100 receiving yards in four out of the five games where he's had five or more catches. It's wild. So he just needs a quarterback who's going to get him more consistent work and is a slightly more accurate quarterback too. Because there's games, you know, when it's like he has eight targets and it's like four catches and we we watch it and it's just like it sails out of bounds. So if you get Terry the Rock, he's going to do great things with it. They just don't have a reliable pass thrower yet and the offense is still a little bit screwy so uh you hope to see better days ahead because the man is is really really good yes agreed speaking of speaking of thinking ahead austin i just wanted to let whisper nation know so they can think ahead did you know whisper nation that we not only go live on monday nights 
for the football games, but also for the rest of the season, Austin, we are going to be going live Thursday nights as well. We will be going live about 45 minutes before the games to create a DFS lineup to root for during the live stream. Austin potentially win some money. All thanks to our sponsors, FanDuel. If you sign up with referral code, all one word, the fantasy whispers, they are going to match up to 20% of your deposit up to $500, Austin. So if you want to join the fantasy whispers on Thursday night or Monday night and potentially win some money, but also have a good time, then make sure you're not only subscribed to the fantasy whispers YouTube channel, but sign up for FanDuel so you can participate with us. Just remember to let them know that the Fantasy Whisperers sent you when you sign up. All right, there Austin. Let's do it, man. We're moving on. That and that nice live read, man. I just want to say. I tried. I yeah. tried. I know. It shows. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we got the Seattle Seahawks and the Houston Texans up on the docket with Houston playing at home in this 41 and a half point over under. Man, we talk about seasonal depression and I get some of it talking about these two teams right here and looking at what's going on under the hood. All joking aside, there's some fantastic storylines in here and we're going to try to find them. I mean, Johnny, I said last week, you asked me about Russell Wilson. I was like, I think that Russell Wilson is a spiritual person and the spirit is off in Seattle. I they're they're, a, they're they look like a bad team right now, and and I don't know what Russell Wilson looks like. He's trying to find his way and and lean on his better angels, but he's having a really hard year, man. What what do you think right now? Are you starting him? Are you fading him? What are you doing about Russell Wilson? Honestly, I'm he's a he's a quarterback that if I have him, I'm throwing him on the waiver wire to hope somebody else picks him up and plays him. To be truthful, yeah. even in yeah. what looks to be a great matchup against Houston, isn't a great matchup. You also look at what Russell's done. Hasn't thrown for more than two touchdowns in a game since week one. Houston being a bottom four matchup like for quarterbacks over the last month. And then you look at what what Russell has really done throughout all season, Austin. It's not just a hot or cold Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, like we, you know, kind of indicate coming into the season. He's he hasn't finished inside the top of the position all season. Yeah. So he's been a real disappointment, and I don't know if it continue or if it gets any better at all down this next stretch of games. So I would honestly not even keep questioning myself because last week should have been a smash game for him, didn't produce. So uh, there's no way I'm I'm playing him this week. I would let somebody else uh, play him and make that mistake, and then you can capitalize off it. Yeah, you know, you you, you hit it the nail on the head there with. Russell Wilson. And the question then comes, well, what do we do about his two talented pass catcher there and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? I, I do think that we can keep starting them. And like, I know it hasn't been great for either of these players, but they've seen at least five targets a piece over the last month with DK getting eight and three out of the last four. They both have huge playmaking ability. And if you're not starting him this week, going up against Houston and the 29th ranked pass defense, like just drop them. Yeah. And pick up a pick up a defense that's playing in two weeks that has a nice matchup or something like that. Because if you're not going to play him now, you're not ever going to play him. And I know Russell Wilson ain't looking good, but they have that. DK can pick up his cornerback and throw him on the ground and make his way. And, and Tyler Lockett can catch a 60-yard bomb like we enjoyed watching him do when we had our underdog lineup going. And we had him for over 68 and a half yards. So like that just always stands. But they're flex options for me. Like yeah. that's they're, they're just flex options. So they're wild. So wild. 
Moving over to the Houston side, I wonder if we have any flex options there, even in even in Cook this week, Johnny. What do you think? And that's Brandon Cooks. Yeah, no, even with Brandon Cooks, I'm not like look. I thought that there might be a reality where you could continue to roll him out. It is a little bit better that you know you've got Miles coming in at quarterback. They're replacing Tyrod, uh, and we just know that he likes to high hyper target Cook. But even still, Seattle is just allowing under 26 fantasy points to wide receivers over the last four weeks, seventh fewest uh, during that span. So uh, I'm I'm not going to even tell you or recommend to throw them out there because it's just probably going to be a disappointment. Anybody else that you're eyeing? No, on this no, show? no. In, in, in the last month of football from the ground game, we got 66 yards rushing is the most that they've gotten. Um, mm. And they and they even, oh, and excuse me, that was 66 combined rushing yards of all of the running backs that they've had in the last month of football. So like take Rex Burkhead, take David Johnson, whatever, whoever's running the ball, take Philip Lindsay. If he was still a part of the team at that point in time, combine all their rushing yards. 66 is the most they've gotten in the last month. And they even won one of those games too. So it's like, yeah, there's just, there's just not a lot of good stuff to find here. So we're going to go ahead and move on to our next game and try to find some more goodness over there. We've got the Detroit lions. The non only losing Detroit that they are the they are the winning Detroit Lions coming off a a big streak of one and uh, they're coming into Denver. It's a 42 point over under Uh, your boy. DeAndre Swift is coming back this week. How excited are you? If he comes back, I'll be excited. Uh, Obviously, uh, you want him to continue to get better. And uh, if they do end up throwing him out, I have confidence in this coaching staff that they wouldn't just throw out their best weapon and and when he's you know still dealing with some kind of injury so if deandre swift ends up playing i would go ahead and play him but i don't know if he necessarily does play him i think i some more weak austin that's my gut uh is that they get him one more week and get him ready for next prime juicy matchup against arizona cardinals defense for the first week of the play, juicy is that. That's what we all want and hope. So uh, hopefully Swift sits one more week. If that's the case, Williams, high-end RB, low-end RB because of volume uh, and what doesn't look to be a terrible matchup uh, for the Detroit Lions. Can they get two? Can they get two wins? I don't know. Well, I'm going to ask you. Do you think uh, uh, Ramondre's popped off last week? Does he do it again? Do they get the, the two wins, Austin? Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown did have a great game last week. And, you know, I think we give a little bit more credit, or at least I'm going to give a little bit more credit to this great week last week because of how strong the narrative was at the top of the year. Uh, You know, coming in, smart kid, speaks four languages and is the first skill position the Detroit Lions new front office drafted. Yeah, in the fourth round, but hey, Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill were drafted in the fifth round, so it happens for wide receivers. We know he's not going to be like a Julio Jones type, but he can make it happen, as we saw him do last week. 12 targets, 10 catches, and that game-winning touchdown. I mean, like that wasn't an easy grab either, and the fact that Goff trusted him and then Amon Ra made it happen, um, it says something to me. It says that he is earning a real spot in this offense that they go to in times of need. And that can help you become a vein for this offense. Like I've been thinking of him as like the golden Tate option. He, he could even have a little bit more of that just because of the lack of competition behind him outside of Hawkinson and Swift, like at, at the wide receiver role. And he's averaging 97% snapshot the last two weeks. And as rookie curves go, keep in mind, he is still a rookie. Um, he's going to start to blossom near the end of the year. And that's what it looks like is happening right now. He's healthy. 
He's got the trust of the quarterback. No other competition's been coming behind him. He had his best game of the season last week. Um, and I think he could be a, a real sneaky flex play the rest of the season, especially in those PPR formats. I like it, Austin. Yeah, moving over here to the other side of the ball. Not a ton of meat, but there's some meat to consider here. Um, I'll I'll let you go here. Well, let me let me actually first start here, and I'll just jump into Javante Williams. That's the meteor piece, and it was yeah. really exciting to see him um, do what he did without Melvin Gordon. I know we've been talking about him a lot and what could happen if Gordon was gone, but I don't think we really expected to see Javante meet those expectations and then exceed them as, as far as he did both through the eye test and the metrics test. Um, nine targets, six catches, 76 yards and a receiving touchdown. What that means is he's going to be pretty much game flow proof moving forward because he's going to be heavily involved in comebacks, um, but he's also going to be able to be effective on the ground as he took 23 carries for 102 yards. Like he was all over the field. He's looked good. His metrics have been phenomenal all season long, and he got a chance to really produce for your fantasy team. Um, we talk about those metrics. I'm talking topical metrics in terms of like yards per carry. I'm talking advanced metrics, elusivity and all those kinds of things. He's, he's looking good. Um, you just hope those opportunities continue to increase regardless if they do or don't. I like him. I like starting him the rest of the season as a flex option. If Gordon is in and then like an RB two with upside, if Gordon is out, um, yeah. I don't know if I can say the same thing though, for the other pass catchers, Johnny, what, what do you think about some of these exciting players, Tim Patrick's Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, they sure pay him as if they're, they're, impactful wide receivers, but does this offense allow for it? How are you shaking it on this one? I mean, they pay them like they're exciting, uh, exciting wide receivers. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, they have not been uh, uh, going up to that standard, right? They need a better quarterback. We thought that maybe, hey, Teddy Bridgewater coming over from Carolina can help produce three wide receivers. He did it last, last year in Carolina with, with worse talent. Surely he can come over here, get Cortland Sutton involved, get him over a thousand yards, get Jerry Judy over a thousand yards because we know how talented he is. Get get TP our boy. But no, that's not what that is not what Teddy B is doing this year, Austin. This year he is struggling. Then you look at this matchup. Detroit has been more stout towards wide receivers over the last month. I understand, you know, some of you listening right now might be like, wait a second, you're saying Detroit's more stout, but didn't Justin Jefferson just have himself a beast of a day last last week? And the answer is, yeah, they did. He did. But the reality was the reason he had such a beast week was because Minnesota was coming from behind. They weren't projected to be losing that game. They were down by like three scores before, you know, Minnesota knew what was up with it. And I don't project that same thing to happen this week, Austin. So because of that, you know, Detroit could possibly win this game, but I don't think yeah. they're gonna, you know, get up and be uh, above and then force the the Broncos to run or to throw to come from behind to catch up again. So because of that, I'm not trusting any of the volume here uh, with any of these guys. That counts for Jerry Judy, unfortunately, counts for Sutton and TPs. I'm I'm, I'm looking elsewhere. Yeah, I've got Cortland Sutton benched in any league. I got him as it is unfortunate, and I hope to see. I hope to see. Uh, I just I just hope to see people who are really good get to showcase that in front of the world. And so I, I we'll see what kind of changes are ahead for the Denver Broncos in the upcoming seasons. But I know that this show is going to be changing its topics and moving on to the next subject. The next team on the docket is the New York Giants going up against the Los Angeles Chargers in a 44 and a half point over under. We'll start with the New York Giants side of the football. 
we got one topic in this one. I mean, we know Galladay's back. We've got Shepard. We've got Tony. I've been calling it the party at the crack house. There should be excitement over here, but it's so unreliable. It's kind of scary. And if you go hang out there too long, you're you're probably not going to be super happy with yourself. Um, is there, is there is there anything, any any sneaky options emerged or anything else? I'm going to talk about Saquon in just a second, but okay, you're shaking your head. No. Yeah, no so no, we're going to no, lean no. away from that. We had somebody at Whisper Nation ask, I need one point. Who should I start? And they had like a handful of receivers. And I was like, if you need one point, probably go Galladay just yeah. because like they're, they're just going to just test him to see if he's still alive because they pay him so much money, but like don't rely on him. And, and that's like basically what he got like 20 something yards. And, and that was it. Um, you know, the question was asked here about trusting Saquon. Is he the only person we trust? And I'm like, trust to do what? <laughs> like, I trust that he'll get double digit carries and like five plus targets, but I just don't trust him breaking a hundred yards. Um, he's an unclear back on a bad offense and it's a what the heck flex status for me. Like that's it. And it super sucks. And I hope sad, but that's where we are. It's, it's sad. It's the world we live in and it creates new opportunities for more exciting pieces to come in. And we wish Saquon the best. And we hope for a resurgence story. We'll just keep seeing what we got as we do every single week. But Johnny here on the Los Angeles Chargers side of the ball. I mean, I feel like the Chargers have been like a hot bed for fantasy options for like a long time, whether it's Phillip Rivers or Justin Herbert, whether it's Melvin Gordon or Austin Eckler. I mean, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have kind of been staples during that kind of run. But like, we're, we're, are we just starting all of our studs, like even borderline studs like Keenan Allen is if, if he's if he's playing and he has a chance, he's got COVID. Keep an eye out there. If he's in, you're starting him. Big Mike Williams, he tested negative on Thursday. He's looking good. We're going to be starting him with more excitement maybe if Keenan Allen is out. Um, Justin Herbert, over 300 yards passing, multiple touchdowns the last three weeks. I'm feeling good about his upside going against the the Giants defense. Is there anything that we need to be paying particular attention to or this is kind of a textbook situation? Just uh, the only other pivot would be, you know, if you're looking for a wide receiver flat, you know, what the heck, um, you know, you need to pick up a guy. Guyton. Mm Uh, Jalen Guyton uh, would be, you know, if Allen does end up sitting, you know, and Williams is the one that ends up playing or, you know, frankly, if Williams and Allen are both out, then I definitely think Guyton is an absolute play. Uh, But if Williams or Allen, one of those sits, then uh, I would also look to pivot with Guyton. That's just like an interesting little gem. But other than that, yeah, I'm starting my studs in this game. Uh, If they're playing, I'm playing them. What What about Jared Cook? I know, even Jared he Cook. Yeah. So yeah. you talk about, you know, uh, some people, Jared Cook was even on, um, or excuse me, he's most likely on your waiver wire. And we had yeah. talked earlier where like Conklin uh, for, for Minnesota, the tight end, mm-hmm. would you, or Fryermuth, would you play either one of them? Mm-hmm. I would pivot over and actually play Cook over uh, one of those two wide receivers this week, just because the matchup's a little bit better. You've got wide receivers you know banged up slash dealing with covid uh and so i do think you know and and the giants are susceptible at the tight end position you talk about keenan allen we're going to shift over now and talk about josh allen quarterback for the buffalo bills as he and the bills are playing against tampa bay in our next game on the show it's a 53 and a half point over under man it felt good to say 50 i've been saying a lot of i know this is the highest over under and check this out tampa bay only only uh favored by three points, Austin, in this one. Yeah. I dude, I think I think this is just a gut here, and I might actually yeah. go and bet on this game. With that spread, I think Tampa Bay destroys the Bills. I think they okay. destroy them. I think okay. I think I think they win by, you know, uh 
at least like a touchdown, but I realistically mm. think it's like 10 to 14 points is what Tampa Bay ends up winning by. Mm. I, I kind of like that one, uh, but if Tampa Bay is up, you know, Vegas has them favored by a little bit. You see them as being bigger upper dogs than that. That to me suggests Buffalo's playing from behind and game mm-hmm. flows working in Josh Allen's favor. Any worries for him? I do have some worries, uh, not in this particular game. You know, Tampa Bay, they're middle of the pack, 15.2 fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Not the greatest, not the worst, though. Um, but here's why I am concerned with Josh Allen. He's hot and cold. Six games in which he's finished top four at the position, Austin. Six games where he's finished outside the top 13 at the position. That leaves, we're in week 14. They had a bye. That means zero, zero times he is finish as a weekly quarterback from spots five through 12. So he, he is the definition of Katy Perry hot and cold. But again, like you said, I do think that Buffalo will probably be down in this game. And so therefore I do think that you can, uh, you could play him in this game. I think it'll be fine. Uh, but it is something to, to really monitor moving forward. Yeah, and I was going to say, even though even though Josh Allen's been down, I'm not concerned about Stephon Diggs. If you didn't get a chance to watch the game against New England on Monday and you just saw the box score, you know, 51 yards, that doesn't look great for Stephon Diggs. But if you take every single wide receiver on the Buffalo Bills side of the ball and the New England side of the ball, every single wide receiver, there's only one combination of two wide receivers you can put together to out yardage what Diggs was able to pull in, and that's taking Gabe Davis's 30 yards and combine it with Emmanuel Sanders' 22, and that's 52 yards, which is one more than Stefan Diggs's 51. And before that, the three weeks leading up to last week, Diggs was the number three overall wide receiver during that three-week stretch, and he's the number eight wide receiver just there on the year. You know, keep an eye out for this pass defense. They've had holes, but they're still a smart team. But I'm 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 feeling really good about Diggs, and especially if they're playing from behind and they're forced to uh, try to make big plays happen. Mm-hmm. Moving over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side of the ball, Johnny, you're pretty excited about this matchup. I know you've been a big supporter of Tom Brady's fantasy outlook this year in this matchup here. So on paper, this looks like a absolute terrible matchup against the Bills. Bills have allowed just eight fantasy points to the uh, quarterback position over the last four games. I'd say hold on so fast, all right? Before you get going and, and try to get too cute and say, hey, do I do I bench Tom Brady this week? Difficult matchup against Buffalo. Should I bench him? Do I get cute, Johnny? No, don't get cute. I'll tell you why. Because despite Buffalo being, you know, one of the best and most stout defenses over the last month and really this whole season, there's been there's a little bit of fallacy in it. And the other mm-hmm. reason why I think this is mislabeled as far as what the point spread should be, because on paper, Buffalo is a very good team on paper. Mm-hmm. The defense looks very dominant. But if you dig a little bit, Austin. Pat Mahomes was the best quarterback that they have uh, faced all season, which, mm. you know, I just gave away. I was just going to ask you a question, but it, it'll uh, a, a trivia okay. question. I was going to leave it to fancy whispers, but or fancy and whisper nation, but I'll, I'll just rephrase it in a little bit. But the reason why that's why I'm not so worried about playing Tom Brady was because Pat Mahomes, who we know have seen up and down this season, he put up 23 against this defense uh, back earlier in this, in the year. But, 
also just looking at the rest of the Bills defense because you're looking and you're like, wow, they are really, really stout. Are, can we believe in this? Do you know that besides Pat Mahomes, do you know who the best quarterback the Bills have faced all season? All season. That would mm. be Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was the se- and I'm not and I'm not exaggerating. Ankles, you'd be like, yeah, ankle, Mr. Ankles. He was the best, the second best fantasy quarterback that the Bills have faced all season long. I'm not even exaggerating. They've never played a top five or or top ten quarterback other than Pat Mahomes this season, and he was able to put up over 20 fantasy points. So all that, all that screaming and yelling and and getting excited, all to m- mention. Don't be hesitant on getting out Tom Brady this week. Get Tom Brady out. Fournette, mega boss on that trajectory. Dude, I just Mike touch Evans, on that Chris real Rod- quick. Yeah. You just to touch on the Fournette, I do think it's another big Fournette game. Like, I don't don't be surprised. Like, I don't know if Tom Brady throws for four touchdowns in this game, which I'd love him to do, but I don't think he quite does that just because the way you really beat uh, Buffalo is you run the ball. Their run defense is definitely really, really bad. It's, it's especially over the last few weeks. They let up five touchdowns to JT. They let up a, a couple of touch. I mean, what could have been an even bigger day for Damian Harris last week, but then he pulled his hamstring, but he was just doing, he had 10 rushes for a hundred yards. So uh, expect a big day from Fournette. Yeah, I like that one. We're starting Mike Evans. We're starting Chris Godwin. Um I'm not concerned about the Gronk matchup. I know it's not great here on paper. Yeah. Quick touching on this one before we turn the page. Look, they're, they're, this isn't a game of spreadsheets, even though we form spreadsheets with it after the fact. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a good way to look at where you're going is to take a look at where you've been. But if you try to drive a car by looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to crash. You know, you got to look forward as the road turns and it's different. You never know what's up ahead. But what I do know is that Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady are two of the best to ever do it. And they like could tell you details on each other's buttholes. You know what I mean? Like they are so linked up. They know each other so well. And they're really, really good. Um, This is a game of men. And Gronk plus Brady is just just better than what's in front of it. Like you got to hit a small window. You got to do this. I'm not saying they will do it. But I'm saying there's not a matchup you could ever put in front of me that I'm a, that I don't think that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski couldn't overcome. Like, yeah. you you couldn't. I don't. Like, they Let are the best you, of all time. Would you Would you play asking for a friend? Would you play in your flex spot, Gronk, or where the Renfro goes? Ooh. Hunter Renfro. Um, in a PPR flex, I probably There's go. No, no, this is just this is just standard. So this I probably one's go. I, I probably go Gronk. I probably Gronk, go Gronk. Yeah. But that's what I but have now. But it's just like, I it it's like oh the steadiness of Renfro and then the bad matchup. But I think you're 100 percent right. It's like the they're a tandem that we don't see ever, like hardly. You know, there's yeah. there's been very very few tandems. Just it together, what no matter what the position is, why a quarterback, wide receiver, quarterback that are like Tom Brady. And the Gronk, thing that so. shifted it for me was when I was listening to Tom Brady talk just like really casually about red zone practice day. And he's like, mm-hmm. I don't even go to that anymore. He's like, I've had I've had my that on lock since elementary school is what he says. And he just like if you ever like if you're running and you're playing like backyard football, and it's like, just give me a little, like I'll yeah. catch it with these fingers. I don't care. Like, that's it. And then he's enormous and all this stuff. And him and Tom are so in sync. Like, 
it, it, it's just yep. it's I'm I'm banking on that. I'm banking on that connection. It's it's got a lot going for it. I'm not afraid of any defense. And I believe they are what now twelve touchdowns away from having the all time record for duos. I think it's Mar- between Marvin Harrison and Peyton Manning's record. Yeah, yeah, I think I think they're getting really close to that. Uh, yeah, and you know we're getting we're getting close here to the end of the show. We got a couple more oh, here. Right. We got two more. Coming up, this is going to be the Sunday night game, I believe. Chicago yeah. visiting Green Bay. Love that matchup. Love to see what Rodgers is going to be able to do there. See if uh, his ownership stake in, in Chicago there stays up. But we'll we'll see how that goes. We're going to start on the Chicago Bears side of the ball, though. Johnny, we got Justin Fields, who's expected to start. Um, I'll just I'll just stay, I'll just stay in the flames here right now with this yeah, subject. I'm not going to stay in the flames though with Justin Fields. I'm looking elsewhere. Because look, man, weeks eight and nine this season, he looked good. But that was a while ago, and we've had a lot happen since weeks eight and nine uh, to get to week 14. Justin Fields has upside, no doubt, but I'm just not going to bank on Justin Fields and what could be a playoff deciding game for me. Look elsewhere. There's some, the upside's there, but there's somebody with a better floor who has close to the upside. Um, How do you feel about the rest of the pieces, though, in Chicago, specifically with the running back game? So definitely gonna gonna want to monitor David Montgomery's you know uh, injury issues. He you know popped up on the injury report and missed Wednesday's practice with what was reported as a quote unquote sore hip, shoulder, and glutes. Uh, and you know it caused a lot of people on Twitter and in a lot of leagues still you know start panicking on David Montgomery, thinking how long is he going to be out for a long term? Uh, listen, I don't believe that's the case. I think that we would have heard something more significant if Montgomery was really, really injured. I think he was tired from carrying the load from against the Cardinals because if you watch that game, it was basically they he was the only option that they had to move the ball, and it was uh, he got you know, he got hit quite often in that game, but I ultimately expect Dave Montgomery to be fine. Wednesdays are a normal day off for veterans and, you know, people trying to get healed up from, uh, you know, banks, bumps and bruises. Not the greatest matchup this week like it was last week for Monty going against the Packers who have the sixth best run defense over that time. But again, this is Monty's basically the only option or the run game is basically the only reliable option the Bears have. And so I do think that, uh, you know, you're still getting Monty in your lineup as long as he goes. And then if he doesn't, you can switch to Khalil Herbert uh, and, and shift that. If Monty is out, then Herbert, we've seen take over that workload. And, and he is almost a, a pretty solid one for one replacement or as best as we can ask Austin. So I do think that that is good. And again, it goes back to last week when we made this comment, we said, Hey, if you are in a position where you are already in the playoffs and you don't necessarily need to win this week, make sure you start handcuffing your stars and your studs. And one of the guys that I had mentioned was Khalil Herbert. So hopefully you took my advice and you did that. And luckily Austin, I got a shout real quick to myself. Your boy actually followed his own advice this time. I nice. picked up Herbert. And so now I am not absolutely sweating this at all <laughs> either way. So uh, that's a, always a nice thing. Uh, yeah. But that's all I have to say about that. That's that's a really nice one. And I got to mention here uh, a name that we used to talk about a lot. Allen Robinson dealing with the hamstring. He's coming back. I'm not going to recommend starting Allen Robinson, even if he is in. I do think that Darnell Mooney maintains some serious flex consideration down week last week against the Cardinals, just 27 yards, but he still did have seven targets. And if we go back the next week, eight targets week before that 16 targets against Baltimore in week 11, 
Um, you know, and he's and had you, three games this season of over 120 yards. He's got really nice rapport there with Fields. Yeah, um, that's a big one. And that's and that's the Fields good one. Fields looks for him. Fields looks for him. Yeah, Fields looks for him. So if we do get Justin Fields back, I'm, I'm maybe even elevating him outside of a what the heck flex to a sneaky flex, maybe even a wide receiver three start yeah. for Darnell Mooney. Um, but keep monitoring that uh, offense and the updates. We'll be going over the news and notes from around the NFL on our Friday show and then Sunday morning, the live lineup show for Johnny and Travis to help any extra questions you've got right before. Moving over to the other side of the football, the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, we've got some pieces. We just got to help sort them out a little bit. I'll start here with the well, we're going to play Aaron Rodgers done. We're going to play Devontae Adams done. Uh, not recommending any tight end. We got some questions, though, at the running back position and for uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling at the wide receiver spot. I'll start with you, Johnny, here on the running backs. AJ Dillon, uh, Aaron Jones. We starting up AJ for both of them. I didn't I didn't really realize. Yeah, that. I know. Are we starting yeah. them both. Yeah. So, it, yeah. So it's been funny because. I noticed this a couple of weeks ago, Austin, and I was like, AJ or AJ. And I was like, oh, wait a second. What? This is wild. But this is, yeah, a Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. So I will try to not tongue, twi tongue tie myself as I get through this little bit here. Look, the Bears defense, they are, you know, not the best matchup, not the worst best matchup for fantasy uh, running backs over the last three games. They've allowed oh, about 22 fantasy points to that position, Austin. And so when you're looking at Aaron Jones, obviously very high hopes coming in the season, started off very, very hot, but he's uh, been injured. And then since coming back, they have really kind of limited his touches down this stretch, Austin, since getting injured a few weeks ago. 11 to 14 touches per game uh, in four out of the last five games for Aaron Jones. And then you look at what they're now doing with A.J. Dillon, Four out of his last five games, on the other hand, he's had over 16 total touches. So he's getting and, and sharing the snap share. He's getting the, the ball, which I don't think it really surprises either one of us because he is, you know, uh, a Derrick Henry 2.0. And we expect him to be a big name. We talk about 1.5. Yeah, yeah, maybe one point five, uh, and we'll see in a couple of years. Maybe, maybe the full 2.0. I would but, love that. Um, see. But here's the thing: AJ Dillon is an absolute beast. They are relying on him, especially with uh, Aaron Rodgers dealing with the toe issue. They like to run the ball, so I do think Aaron AJ Dillon is definitely a play this week. I think you could still play Aaron Jones, right? He still has the upside uh, because he's so explosive. But I actually think that this is a tandem now that has moved into that. You know, I feel I feel comfortable playing both of them. And if you have both of them and you're struggling at another position, like maybe you had a DeAndre Swift, but you also had Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, I'm fine, you know, if, if Swift sits playing both A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting moving into next year and that whole conversation. But as of this week, Austin, playing both of them but just monitor and and have some expectations for Aaron Jones that it's not quite what you saw in the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good way to stack it and I think the upside even still sticks there. You know, you talked about not having the same expectations. You shouldn't. Um yeah. but the possibility still exists of Aaron Jones, you know, getting three receiving touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers just cuz they don't have a ton of like super sexy pass catchers outside of Devontae Adams. They got good pass catchers. Like mm -hmm. Alan Lazard is an awful, he's a good blocker, you know, and can catch and fill in the role. Marquez Valdez Scantling has has some real upside, um, but there's not a lot of reliability outside of Aaron Jones and
and Devontae Adams. And I'd say that AJ Dillon is becoming one of the very more reliable pieces in this offense. So, mm-hmm. so they're going to be looking at him. He's, Rodgers is always going to be the main man because he can shift and go any direction he wants at any point in time. But I think I think it's those those big three now are well and four. Like you got Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. Like that yeah. is like the core. Yep. Gotta mention here my take on Marquez Valdez Scantling. You know, he had a he's had some pop games here and there. We know that his play style allows for that, but he's still just a what the heck flex consideration for me. Not yet sneaky. It's averaging nine and a half targets over the last two weeks. I love that, but only four catches a game during that span. The upside is there, but so is his subterranean floor. And you just got to know that if you're going to be plugging him in. Moving on to the Monday night football game. We've got a battle out West. The Los Angeles Rams are going to be visiting the desert in Arizona. It's a 52 point over under looks like the second highest of the game. I'm excited about this as a Cardinals fan. I know you are too, Johnny, especially on Monday night. We'll talk about the Cardinals to close out the show. We're going to start here in Los Angeles where I am recording this right now. And I'm kicking it over to you here for the running back conversation questions. Sony Michelle or Daryl Henderson week 14. Yeah, I, you know, this game is going to be electric. It's going to be really fun. I can't wait for this. Make sure, Whisper Nation, you're joining us. We will be live streaming during this Monday night. We'll be putting together a DFS lineup for this game, which is going to be so fun because there'll be so many juicy, fancy, different, you know, pieces that we could get into our lineup. So make sure if you want to join us, you're joining on FanDuel. So you guys can create a bet slip with us. But you asked me, Austin, about Henderson or Sony. And here's the thing. I'm going to be monitoring this very closely because talk about DFS and playing a a guy that you you are going to want to play one of these running backs for the um, for the L.A. Rams. Why? Because Arizona That is their Achilles heel. That is where you attack them. That's how you keep Kyler Murray off the field. And you can expect Sean McVay to do that, try to limit the explosive plays of Kyler Murray in this offense by handing the ball off a lot because Arizona top five matchup for running backs. So if Henderson does play, Henderson was banged up going into last week. It was, uh, you know, he ended up suiting up, but it was, you know, we got the indication that, hey, this is going to be a Sony game. You know, they're not really using Henderson unless emergencies. So we're able to make the switch. We're able to get Sony in there. So if Sony or, you know, if the same kind of thing happens this week, Austin, then I, you know, I'm fully rolling, rolling out Sony with all confidence. But if Henderson does end up playing this game and we should get an indication about the snap share and snap count before Sunday, then I would be okay uh, playing Henderson because even if he gets, you know, limited role, you know, is it, you know, 10 to 14 touches against this defense in this kind of game. I think you'll still be fine to flex you as an RB2, a low-end RB2, a high-end RB3 flex play for you. So that's where I'm at with this. But I got to ask you because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the running backs where you attack Arizona, not so mm-hmm. much in the wide receiver area. Mm-hmm. However, we do know that of all the teams, you know, they're uh, the Rams are probably up there, probably top three, top four as far as wide receiver rooms go. So – with the matchup and Arizona being a little bit more stout against wide receivers, where are you looking for, um, you know, is, is it Van Jefferson or OBJ? Obviously you're getting Cooper cup in your lineup. Sure. You're not taking him out. 
But Van yeah. Jefferson and OBJ, something that we get a lot of questions on, on who we should play, which one should we sit, uh, things like that. So where are you at with this? Van Jefferson or OBJ, you're on the clock now. Go. I'm taking Van Jefferson, and it's the same answer I gave last week. It's close. You know, two weeks ago when I was taking a look at the first game with Van Jefferson and OBJ together, it was really, really close. Ten targets to nine there, Van Jefferson, and then OBJ. Five catches for Jefferson, three for OBJ. 16.8 fantasy points to 16.6. Super close, um, and both with like a 98% snap share. But I said... you had to pick between the two. I was going to go with Van Jefferson because of his familiarity in the offense and consistency of what he's been doing all season long and beyond. And then we take a look at last week and 13 fantasy points there for Van Jefferson, nine for OBJ. And Van Jefferson looks like he's emerging a little bit more as that number two, 78% snap to 53 for OBJ, eight targets to five, six catches to two. So it's still kind of close, but Van Jefferson is moving ahead. He's the preferred option for me, but I do like OBJ's looks in the red zone. And I think this keeps some of the upside there for Odell Beckham. Uh, But I'm going to be looking at Van Jefferson as the number two. Yeah, I think I think it's a good idea to view OBJ how we viewed Van Jefferson last well, you know, uh, before uh, Woods went down and and OBJ got there. I think that that's the smart thing to do. I think that, you know, that moves uh, to me, Van Jefferson into where we were were viewing Bobby Trees. And for me, you you all know Whisper Nation. I was a big advocate every single week of of Woods on the show. And so, yeah, I'm with Austin here. I think the diagnosis is spot on. Moving over to our final team on the matchup breakdown parts one and two combined. We've got the the final team in our hearts, baby. Not the final team in our hearts. Maybe the first team in our hearts. I'm right there with you. Maybe the final team, though, come February though, am I right? I got a, I got, I got a, I got a bet on them um, to make it into the Super Bowl to ho- hopefully pay okay. for that, uh, that ticket so should they make it. In I got to ask you, mm-hmm. since you're on the show, this is a, pri- a more of a private show for Whisper Nation. Anyway, yeah. What it, what it? See, I was eyeing this the other day because I would say it every year, and then I, you know, I didn't end up making the bet in the beginning of the mm-hmm. season, which it was shame on me. It were like eight thousand to one, mm-hmm. uh, but now those have increased. You know, now we're sitting at we're still not the best, the most, which is odd to me because we have the best record and mm-hmm. whatever. But we're now eight. It's like eight fifty to one. Uh, mm-hmm. So what did you end up locking in? Did now did you win? Did you bet the whole? For them to win it all, or just I to bet get them. To- no, I bet them to win. I bet on the Packers and I bet on the Cardinals to win the NFC Championship. Got it. Because okay. I just want them to pay for my part of my traveling okay. ticket to go That'd see it. Cool. I yeah. like it. I like it. Yeah, I'd have to look it up to see what it was again. All right, but, but yeah, so that'll be exciting. I hope that it happens. And man, I'm feeling pretty. And and it, I. Packers Cardinals games are my favorite. I've been blessed to see a lot. I've been blessed to see some really good ones, even in the playoffs. And my goodness, an NFC championship Cardinals Packers game is just the thing my dreams are made of. Uh, but Johnny, moving over to the positional players here for the Cardinals, man, you talk about the things dreams are made of. They've had a great running back situation, makeshift, doing it kind of their own way, but it's been it's just been straight up kicking ass in its own regard. What do we think about it, though, moving forward? I know that Chase Edmonds is designated to return or that possibility is on the table. James Conner's done good with the added opportunity. How do you look at this backfield right now? 
I'm looking at this backfield kind of how, you know, a lot of people were looking at this backfield coming into the season in which, you know, your boy, you guys know your boy wasn't quite on that one. Uh, I thought it was going to be reversed. I thought, you know, and that's kind of how it was in the beginning. Edmonds had the one A started off. And, and, on. and Connor, right. And Connor had the one B. But I'll tell you, man, I, and I said this on a couple of shows now. James Conner, you have just way outperformed not only my expectations, but I know that he's performed the outperformed the Cardinals' expectations because they had him on uh, the Phoenix radio here, and he talked of such. And so, just kudos to him. I mean, really showing out, uh, showing up as well, showing what kind of running back he could be. You know, like that that one season in Pittsburgh was not a fluke. But with all that said, with all that said, and talk about how James Conner has been so amazing. I do expect him to take over the lead, you know, take over the Chase Edmonds or the Drake role and have, you know, obviously he was getting the goal line work. He'll continue to have that. I do think he now gets more of the one and one and two down work as well. So Edmonds will probably return to the role that he saw last year when he had Chase or when he had Drake there. So you're probably talking about eight to 12 touches in a game. Uh, They'll they'll try to scheme him. But James Conner should probably see, you know, 12 14 minimum touches all the way up to 16 touches and then obviously as the red area uh touches that he'll probably get in the goal line work i do want to mention austin that they should probably temper their expectations for james Conner this week the rams are a bottom five matchup for running backs so uh and they are a little bit more susceptible to like the short passes and things like that and we know cliff likes to get a little bit more cute going against sean mcveigh because there are two offensive minds that are kind of like going at it um, but it's going to be hard for me to get James Conner out of my out of my lineup this week just yeah. because he has that, uh, that upside every single week. He could break one. They are going to run. You know, one thing I will, you know, proudly puff out our chest on this channel was that we were as a whole on this channel saying when most people are like, oh, I want to get off. I don't want any part of the Arizona because it's too sicky. I don't want it. We were saying, no, you definitely should get this because they're a top five rushing offense. They have been every single year with Cliff Kingsbury. It continues this year. So uh, I kudos to uh, the channel's good sense on that, but bad on my sense of thinking Chase <laughs> Edmonds could uh, hold it down a whole year. Well, but I know, gotta ask- we, we got to balance on this one. I've been trying to meaning yeah. to pull that take. I think it was like a month and a half ago. I was like, should we be putting a little bit more consideration into James Conner just because like Chase Edmonds yeah. has been really good, but like he's still undersized and he's getting a right. lot of work. Like, is he going to kind of break down? And it was like, well, you know, we don't want to bank on injuries, but like, yeah. mate, that's not bad thinking, right? You know, and, and here we go. So that's why we got a panel. We got these things. You were spot on at the at the top, and I remember when you when you you got Adam Rank from NFL.com to turn his thinking around on the James Conner Chase Edmonds conversation, and then our opinions change with new information. You know, yeah. that's why we keep an eye out and an ear out. Um, I think you were going to ask about the wide receivers. Yes, I was going to ask you because obviously last week you had Hopkins come back. It was very bad condition, so it was kind of a sloppier game, but Hopkins did end up catching a touchdown, having a decent day. Hopkins still going to be a guy that you're looking at in your lineup. Is there anybody else in the wide receivers that you're liking uh, in this matchup? Uh, Christian Kirk had a big game earlier this year against them. Um, You know, A.J. Green, what were you you thinking? Honestly, man. I'm not I'm not recommending starting anyone outside of Hopkins. And even then, uh, I'm tempering my expectations for DeAndre Hopkins. His offense is just really good. The ball is spread around really well. Nobody dominates hard. Like, I know it was Hopkins' first game back, but he still had a 74% snap share. And 
you know, I mean, you go back to the other games, he was healthy, 83%, 89%, 92%. Like, they're good. They're really good. But this isn't Cooper Cup 100%. This isn't um, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, both at 95% last year. You know what I mean? This is is a diverse offense with good pass catchers, have different skill sets. You know what I mean? Like, DeAndre Hopkins is a slippery, do-it-all type of player. AJ Green is that deep-field, big-bodied option, but, you know, a little bit older. Um, Rondell Moore is super exciting, but he's a rookie and you, you got to like kind of scheme him. Christian Kirk is kind of like the fallback is like more of like almost like a prototypical receiver, but he's the fourth name I'm mentioning and all those right. other guys are good too. So I, I, I'm not surprised if any one of these guys goes off, but I'm not going to be recommending starting anybody outside of Hopkins. And as I said at the top, I'm still tempering those expectations just because of how diverse this offense and, and efficiently it's run. Yeah. We got Kyler Murray. We locked and loaded. Anything else in this matchup we need to mention? Anything else with Spernation Needs to Know coming into Monday night? I'm excited to stream this game with you, man. It'll be fun. We'll be live, so make sure you're streaming in there. Uh, make sure you're subscribed on our YouTube channel. And when we go live, once again, 45 minutes before that game, create a little DFS lineup with Whisper Nation. Yeah, super yeah, fun. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully win uh, some take. That's a whole goal, dude. We're going to – I w- we will. Before the end of the season, we'll get first in one of those DFS lineups for FanDuel. Guarantee I'm that. just happy to keep staying in the money. We've been in the money every yeah. time. And that's – you don't go broke making a profit. And we've, we've been doing a pretty good job at, at being in the top 25% every single time we decide – to play the game. So we're going to keep that going. We're going to keep it going alongside with you, Whisper Nation. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, being a part of this brand. We could not and would not be doing it without you. I'm Austin Sear. That's Johnny Game Time Hicks. Give love to Travis out there too. He's going to be back. We are the Fantasy Whispers. We love you. We're out. Peace. Peace. Good luck this weekend. Big luck. Right here. Look at you go. You made it to the end of another one of our videos. Hey, if you still have some questions, I totally understand. Or you just want to join an awesome fantasy football community, 